Hello, Rebels. Today I tell you about a creepy cult of using kids for political purposes. It reminds me of those really weird beauty pageant moms that we all made fun of 20 years ago. Yeah, they were sort of harmless, I think, but these climate cult moms are the worst. Um, before we get to that, can you go to the rebel.media slash shows and become a premium subscriber? It's eight bucks a month. You get access to the video version of all these podcasts. You got to see the videos of this Greta Thunberg I'm talking about today. That's that Swedish girl. The way her eyes dart around, the creepy, creepy, creepiness. You've just got to see it in video is what I'm saying. So go to the rebel.media slash shows. Eight bucks a month. You get the video version and you get access to other shows by Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies. Okay, here goes today's podcast. Tonight, brainwashing children to panic about global warming is child abuse. I'll show you what's happening in Quebec. It's May 8th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I remember as a kid, I used to hate the phrase, children should be seen and not heard. You know that saying. Now, when I was a kid, I took it to mean, at worst, that kids should be disrespected, or maybe more likely that kids have nothing interesting that grown-ups want to hear. Well, that's not really what it means. As everyone who's ever watched you know, shows like Kids Say the Funniest Things or America's Funniest Home Videos know, Kids are hilarious. They're funny, they're pure and without cynicism, and they're so honest, they're too honest. That's where the funny comes. Kids should be heard all the time. Like little angels should be heard laughing and singing. Give me one more moment on this. Every parent knows this. When kids mispronounce words or say words wrong, it is the cutest thing in the world. When they say Pischetti, can I have some more Pischetti? When they call a stuffed animal, a stuffed up animal. You don't want to correct them. In, in fact, you say the same thing back to them because it's so funny and you don't want them to stop because you know they will stop soon enough and they'll sound like grown up soon enough and if they have an older sibling, that older sibling will correct them soon enough. Kids should be seen and heard. But what I only now understand as I approach the end of my fifth decade is that old saying, children should be seen and not heard, doesn't mean ignore kids or shut kids up let alone disrespect kids, as I sullenly thought it meant when I heard that phrase in my own childhood. It means children ought not to be heard about matters grown up, about adult things, because they are not interesting, and they are not convincing, and they are not correct, and they are not morally full, morally developed on adult subjects. If they do opine on adult subjects, it's a parlor trick. They've been taught a line by someone. They parrot it. We find child prodigies interesting, but slightly unsettling. But their unnatural adultness is restricted to an art, usually. A young child who's a prodigy playing piano is amazing, if unusual. But at other matters, it would come across as unnatural, a bit creepy maybe. It's like a robot that's too human. Have you ever heard of that? Psychologists call it the uncanny valley. It's a robot makes us uncomfortable if it's too lifelike. A child ought not to be like an adult either. 
And I tell you all this because, of course, we have legions of children being turned into mini adults, and it's creepy. A decade or two ago, we were all repulsed and riveted by beauty pageant culture that seemed to sexualize girls of tender years. They were all being weaponized by their own moms who seemed to be living out their dreams vicariously through their daughters, too much makeup. It was too adult for little girls, but that was just beauty pageants. Now it's gone right over the edge. Now it's children of tender years, in this case, a young boy, who has been turned into a performing drag queen by his parents, his handlers, like he's a circus freak. He's surrounded by naked men. He's at bars. He's sexualized. But again, it's not his childlike nature that's being promoted. It's the opposite. It's the creepy, freaky nature of a child, so obviously a child that is pantomiming, mimicking the sexual excesses of adults of adult extremists around them. That's why it's bizarre. Talk about child abuse. Well, you may know what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about children who are weaponized their parents by parents or teachers to talk about politics. It happens more and more because of their parents, but usually because of teachers and teachers unions who have the legal privilege of being in loco parentis, as it's called in law in Latin. Teachers have the legal right to stand in the place of parents and make legal decisions about children. That's what in loco parentis means, in the place of children, uh, of parents. Decide for the kids. And they're abusing that by deciding for the kids that these young kids will skip class and engage in political rallies, mimicking what their teachers union bosses have on their own political agenda. So obviously, these young kids parrot, we want more money for teachers, but they also skip school for other reasons in Alberta. Last week, our Kean Bexty covered a student walkout that was orchestrated by teachers, but he found one student who sounded a bit normal, who said this was a big nothing. This was all just students running errands for political teachers. Did you catch this video? Why didn't you participate in the walkout? Well, I don't support it. It's, it's honestly run by the teachers. They're just mad that the NDP lost. What do you think about the kids that were participating in it? Are they generally political activists? Well, just look at them. Honestly, just look at them. They're, they're, they're just mad, I guess. The teachers wanted to seem like all the kids support all this like gay, like the gay rights and this whole thing, but most of us really don't care about it. Do you think that what it was like from 11.30 or 9.30 950 were, yeah, were they in spare the people that came out or hi there we'll no. ask you to turn that off you're on school property it may not surprise you that the teachers kicked kian off school property the moment he started talking to that one kid who wasn't parroting the teachers union line so i guess that's the one student teachers want to only be seen not be heard but of course the biggest of all is the climate cult i showed you this Back in 2015, right when the rebel was new, I went to some big global warming protest in Toronto. And you might recall, I came across a woman, she actually came up to me, and insisted so hard that I interview her young daughter. And I told her, no lady, I, I don't interview kids. It's just not what I do. And she was so in insistent. I said, fine, but you have to say right into the camera that you give me permission to talk to your kid because I thought it was creepy what she was doing, pageant mom style. And, and I wanted it on the record that I wasn't the one who thought, I'm gonna talk to a kid that mom wanted me to. Anyways, uh, so I, I had the mom give me permission on camera 
And then I asked the child with the mom right there, what is it that your mom wants you to ask me? Um, and it was this. What's your name? My name's Lila. Hi, Lila, I'm Ezra. That'd be nice. Well, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think the obvious answer is yes, because over the course of thousands of years, the Earth gets warmer and colder. Have you ever heard of the ice ages before? And we're not in an ice age now, right? Are we in an ice age now? So then I guess, and there's been more than one ice age, right? So the Earth has warmed and cooled over the years, right? I mean, if it, I mean, tell me if you have you heard of the ice ages? Have you ever, you know, when the Earth was covered with ice? So obviously there was climate change since we're not in an ice age anymore, right? So that's how I talk to kids of that tender age, like their kids. I don't talk to them like they're adults. I don't debate them. That would be creepy. But this mom really, really insisted I talk to her young daughter. It was so obvious. I'm, uh, the whole thing was so staged. I felt like I was talking to a pageant mom. So I asked the kid, well, who made your political sign? What's your sign saying? And the car of the future that doesn't um, get, well, the carbon dioxide. Oh, what kind of car do you guys have? Um, a normal car. Normal car. What, what do you mean by normal? Is it an electric car? No. Well, uh, don't we have electric cars right now? Like, isn't the car of the future here already? Well, the gas companies don't want it to Well, Tesla is pretty successful, isn't it? Have you heard of a Tesla? No. Can I ask you a question? Um, did you design this poster for your no, daughter? No, she... I didn't. I wouldn't have designed this poster. Did you design your poster? Um, yes, and my mom kind of helped. All right, well, I had had enough of playing the mom's weird games here, so I said goodbye. The whole interaction was about four minutes, and obviously I recorded the whole thing. And wouldn't you know it, it was all a setup. That mom was a crooked journalist named Catherine, Rep Catherine Porter who was using her child as a gimmick, like bait, for a story about me. And she made up a whole dialogue that just never happened. She painted me as a bully, and her daughter as having said things that the daughter just didn't say. Catherine Porter is foolish because, of course, I had everything on videotape to prove what happened. I mean, seriously, who would lie about a recorded interview? That's dumb. And the Toronto Star, can you believe it? They actually did the right thing. They suspended this weirdo, Catherine Porter, for 90 days. They didn't fire her outright. They suspended her for 90 days. And they wrote a huge, I'm going to call it a semi-apology to me in the star. Huge. But only because I caught it on tape. But my point is, parents are really creepy about how they use their own children for political purposes. That daughter, Catherine Porter's daughter, was not the actor there. She was just the, the ventriloquist dummy for her mom. In that case especially, the kid was sort of normal. In fact, when she wasn't saying exactly what her mom wanted her to say in our conversation, the mom just made it up in the Toronto Star. That was the whole point. Anyways, I should tell you, besides being suspended for 90 days, uh, that weirdo Catherine Porter went on to be hired by the New York Times, if you can believe it. A serial fabulist was promoted. But that was four years ago. Now, using kids to say global warming messages on behalf of their parents, today it's just commonplace, including on the CBC state broadcaster. Remember this from the other day? A lot of people are like, oh, um, what about the people in the oil industries and the electronic industries and the paper industries? 
well, it doesn't really matter what job you have if you're dead, so. That is so crazy, but I think that young girl believes it. I think it's more young girls than young boys, actually. Young girls, I think, are more obedient and more calm and go along with their mom's schemes. Young boys, in my experience, just want to run around and play sports and fight and throw things. They're, they're not going to become propagandists in the same way as girls. I'm not mad at these kids. I actually liked Catherine Porter's daughter. She seemed normal. I don't think she was creepy because she was normal. It was her mom who was creepy. And even though I'm appalled by that young drag queen dancing boy, it's not him I'm mad at. It's his handlers, his agent, his manager, his abusers I'm mad at. Same with these propaganda kids on the CBC. You know when they say kids should be seen and not heard, it's because when a child says something like an adult, it's a form of deception because they themselves didn't think it or write it. They just repeated it. They're young child actors. The CBC News Kids channel specifically says their kids are child actors. Of course they don't write their own news. They're kids. So when they do their endless pro-marijuana stories, for example, it's not a young child writing that. Uh, I think most kids, especially of really young age, think drugs bad. That's what the parents tell them. This is some hidden guy writing it and giving them to say. I'm actually worried about the kids at CBC Kids News. I mean, remember, the CBC is the TV network that gave us serial sexual abuser Gian Gameshin. And maybe they couldn't have known that or stopped that or controlled that. But when they found out about it, they covered up for him. They covered up for Gian Gameshin. Imagine having a whole kids news department with kids eager to please adults and hidden adults writing things and directing things. I wonder how far the abuse goes and if the CBC is covering it up too like they did with Jan Gameshi, I don't know. But the weirdest girl, as I've shown you before, the weirdest pageant child is Gre Greta Thunberg. Watch her a bit. You say you love your children above all else and yet you're stealing their future in front of their very eyes. 15-year-old in Sweden has missed class every Friday since August to sit outside her country's parliament, and she's been calling on others around the world to do the same. Adults keep saying, we owe it to the young people to give them hope. But I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act. Do you see what I mean about creepiness? Now, she is dressed up as a very young girl most of the time, childlike pigtails, but she's actually 16 already. She presents as a much younger girl on purpose, and she has a creepy adult style juxtaposed with her uh, tender years look. She's got the darting eyes. I'm not mocking her, but I have since learned uh, that I didn't know the first time I did a story about her, is that she's mentally ill. I don't mean her Asperger's, and I don't mean that she has other permanent mental conditions. I'm saying that she, was, she suffered clinical depression, that's what I mean, and she was suicidal. At least that's what her parents and promoters say. But they push her out there with this creepy apocalyptic message because she's this huge PR and financial success. But look at this, I, I don't know if she wrote this. I, I, I doubt it, frankly, but she says these things all the time, so maybe she wrote it. 
You saw her talking about she wants people to panic. That's not a normal, healthy thing for a young girl to say, a young girl who was suicidal. Look at this, just a random selection from her Twitter account. A new UN report concludes that one million, she wrote, spices species risk extinction because of human activity and that the destruction of nature threatens humanity. And yet this is not top news. As long as it continues like this, as long as the media fails to take responsibility, we stand no chance. We stand no chance. This girl has said that there's no point going to school since we're all gonna die in a few years. That's why she started the climate strike where she doesn't go to school. Obviously kids can't decide not to go to school. Parents take them, teachers take them. Obviously this was stage managed by her parents. Kids are not autonomous. Uh, so when I say she went on strike, I mean her pa pageant mom and pageant dad. They're longtime hucksters. They're in the entertainment business. They're promoters. They don't have a beauty pageant daughter Almost the opposite, they have a daughter with various illnesses, so they say, including mental illnesses, including suicide thoughts and tendencies, but boy, they know how to market just like any pageant mom, do they? Let me read a bit about how creepy her parents are. I'm not blaming the girl here. I'm blaming her parents who push a suicidal girl out to talk about the apocalypse. Let me, let me quote from this story. According to her mother, Milena Ernman, 48, 16-year-old Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg can see CO2 with the naked eye. She writes it in the book, Scenes from the Heart, Our Life for the Climate, which she wrote with her family. Greta was diagnosed as a child with obsessive-compulsive disorder and Asperger's syndrome, just like her younger sister Beata. The activist also has a photographic memory. She knows all the capitals by heart and can list all the chemical elements of the periodic table within one minute. That's very quick, because there's over 100. In addition, she has another gift, according to her mother. Quote, Greta is able to see what other people cannot see, writes Milena Ernman in the book. She can see carbon dioxide with the naked eye. She sees how it flows out of chimneys and changes the atmosphere in a landfill. Now, I'm not sure what to believe. It's possible for a smart kid to name all the capitals. That's one of those parlor tricks. It's possible to name all the elements. That's, that's not really creepy, but it's trying pretty hard. You can believe that at parties, her parents trot her out and ask her to do those tricks to entertain their friends. That's a bit weird, it's a bit creepy, but seeing carbon dioxide, CO2, it's actually not possible. CO2 is invisible, it's a trace gas, 400 parts per million. You can't see your breath, which is 40,000 parts per million CO2. When it's cold outside, you can see your breath, but you're seeing the moisture, the water vapor. That's not CO2. CO2 has no color. It cannot be seen with the human eye. So maybe we can't believe a word these creepy parents say about anything, but we have to go by it. They're, they say their daughter is mentally ill and was suicidal, and thus she has been deployed to infect other children with the same mental illness of depression and despair. Boys probably won't go along with this, but this obedient girl does, and other young girls seem susceptible to it. And I bet she actually believes what she's saying. Wouldn't you believe what your mother and father told you if you were a teenage girl, and if you had nothing but lavish praise from every powerful grown-up you ever meet? I actually think she has come to believe it. Wouldn't you believe what your mom and dad tell you? I think her parents are scammers, 
like the scammers who manage boy bands and steal all their money, you know, taking candy from a baby, that's another saying. But her, the 16-year-old girl herself, I think, she's, I think she believes it. But the depression, the fear, the stress, why are we telling young kids, especially young girls, to believe we're all going to die, to believe we don't stand a chance. You know, suicide is contagious. It's not like a virus or a bacteria that literally is passed on like through a bug. But when you see or hear about someone you know committing suicide, you are more likely to do it too. Suicide happens in clusters. It becomes normalized, that's why, because the unthinkable suddenly becomes thinkable when it's done, that's why. And if this young person killed themselves, and if you know her, and if you understand her concerns, and you share her concerns, well, maybe you should choose the same exit, too. It's actually true, in a way. Smiles are contagious. Laughter is contagious. It's actually true. Not contagious like a virus, but, it, but you want to laugh along with someone who's laughing. And depression is contagious, and this young robot from Sweden is being manipulated to tell millions of girls, especially girls, to despair. And I think it's sick. Which brings us to the CBC News out of Quebec today. This story, exam question on climate change draws anger, memes from Quebec students. Education minister says it would have been better to ask students how to fight climate change. Let me read a bit. A Quebec high school French exam question that asked students about adapting to climate change has drawn a torrent of online criticism as teens used memes and videos to denounce what they see as government inaction on climate issues. The question on last week's ministry exam for grade 11 students asked, can we adapt to climate change? Are you surprised? You tell kids they're going to die in, what, what, what's the phrase now, 11 and a half years? Like, that's pretty precise, isn't it? And you're surprised when they say, hang on, you're just asking us to adapt? We're going to be dead in 11 and a half years. Well, of course we can adapt to a change in climate. The climate has been changing ever so slowly for thousands of years as the world has emerged from the last great ice age about 10,000 years ago. It is imperceptible. It's generally for the better. Life does better in warmth than in cold. That's why there are bigger cities and more diversity of of animal and plant life near the equator and not a lot in the Arctic. Of course we can adapt to the warmth, or more to the point, we can't stop the Earth from warming, so if you actually want to do anything about it, how about adapting? Let me read some more. It quickly drew the ire of students like 17-year-old Francis Claude, who feels the way the question was phrased suggests the government has accepted climate change. It's like they want to abandon the fight against climate change and just make do and adapt said Claude, whose Facebook group dedicated to the exam has exploded to almost 37,000 members in recent days. But that's the thing. These kids have believed what their parents and teachers said to them, even the lies, what the government said to them, even the lies. They believe this shrieking kook who says the arson forest fires in BC were actually caused because of climate change. So let's talk about climate change for a second. Who believes it's real? in science. We got a report last year that said we have 12 years to take serious climate action. We are all in this together. We need to act. And just remember last year. Who remembers last summer? Who remembers?
remembers the extreme heat that we felt last summer? Who remembers that people literally died of extreme heat? I've called people, I've called mothers in, in British Columbia where there were forest fires. Remember those forest fires? And guess what? They were scared for their kids to go outside because the air quality was so bad. Yeah, no, sister, that was arson. Let me read some more. Claude said members of his generation are committed to fighting environmental destruction, not adapting to it. What's the point of studying for a future we're not going to have, said Claude, who attends Mont Saint Anne School in Beaupre, 40 kilometers northeast of Quebec City. Who told that child he has no future? Pope John Paul II always said, where there's life, there's hope. That's a pretty Catholic thing to say, a pretty Christian thing to say. The Jews say l'chaim, that means to life. Life is what we believe in in the West. It's why we keep going. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. In dark times, we believe in life. We believe in light. Other cultures believe in death, not us. And yet our young people have been taught that despair and death are imminent because, well, because we drove a car or we didn't pay some carbon tax or something some kook at school or on TV or in Parliament told them. Let me read some more. Olivia Ralston, another student at Mont St. Anne School, said some students found the question confusing since it didn't really match up to the study materials. She also questioned the use of the word adapt. We are living in this world and we're not going to live anywhere else, so why shouldn't we try to change it, she said. Ralston said some students put a green dot on their exam to signify climate change, and others have since started wearing the symbol as a call for action. A green dot, eh? Wearing a green dot. Do you think that was an organic, natural, unplanned thing that just happened spontaneously? Or is that being schemed by some pageant mom too? Some PR huckster too? We are deeply psychologically damaging our young people. It is creepy. It is creepier than a beauty pageant. At least a beauty pageant claims to venerate beauty and maybe even talent. This cult of climate is as creepy as that boy drag queen. That creepy child from Sweden has been weaponized by her parents for profit. And the profit comes by infecting your children with her belief in the global warming cult that says, we're all going to die. So what's the point? Stay with us for more. I figured I would chat with students to figure out uh, if they agree with the message of these pro-Palestinian demonstrators. Here's what the students of Stanford had to say. How does it make you feel that, that they're saying that Israel... Uh, I don't think home... I know enough about this protest. Um, okay. I'm generally in support of Palestinian rights. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you think that Israel is an apartheid state? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What 100%. about it makes it an apartheid state? Well, um, I mean, it, it separates like... I, I, I didn't go there, but it separates like uh, Israelis and Muslims. That's Kian Bextie, who is crisscrossing North America, going to where the news is hot. In recent days, he's been in Winnipeg when Linda Sarsour came to town, San Diego, right after the synagogue there was attacked by a shooter who was actually stopped by congregants, including the rabbi, 
who had his fingers shot off, and now he's in Stanford, a fancy university near San Francisco, for what has become the dominant political narrative of North American universities, namely anti-Israel leftist extremism. It's so un-American to me, it's un-Canadian, but I can't think of anything more un-American than leftism plus a blend of anti-Israel and anti-Semitism. Uh, Kian Bexty joins us now via Skype. Um, you know, I can't imagine how beautiful it must be at Stanford, San Francisco, an amazing city, uh, prestigious university. I mean, it, it really should be the best time of the, their lives for the students there. But they're getting all revved up about hating Israel. It just seems out of place to me. Who's, who's organizing this? And, and, and as I was just saying to you before we turn the camera on, I suppose this is an infection in every campus around North America, not just, for example, in San Francisco there. Yeah, I don't think it's exclusive to the Palo Alto area at all. Uh, there's a group of students gathered just behind me, um, and they've put up these wall barricades, uh, somehow pretending to simulate Israel, like the walls in Israel are, are some evil thing. Um, and, and they're trying to walk this line where they say it's not... Um, it's, it's not anti-Semitic to be anti-Zionist. Um, and that's, that's the line that they're trying to walk. Of course, uh, time will tell once I actually go up and talk to them uh, and speak with them and figure out what is behind their, their drive, why they're taking off uh, time in the middle of exam week uh, to, <laughs> to put up these walls to, to spread this pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas, well, I, I shouldn't say pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine um, story. Yeah, you know what? I agree that every country in the world should be open to criticism. Lord knows I criticize Canada and I'm not an anti-Canadian bigot. I criticize it because I live here and I want it to be better and I have a certain philosophy that would make Canada great. I don't believe in destroying Canada. And here's, the th I mean, here's my thoughts on anti-Zionism. And when people say, I'm not anti-Semitic, I have no problem with Jews, it's just Israel I don't like. If someone were to say, I'm anti-Italy, and it's all they would talk about, and they would nitpick Italy, and they would boycott pizza. I can't even imagine anyone who would do that. And pasta, I mean, my God, I mean, I know we're deep into hypothetical territory here. And they just wouldn't shut up about Italy. And, yep. and they would just boycott anything made in Italy. I'd say, you know what? I think you got a problem with Italians, mate. I mean, every, <laughs> every country has their flaws. Italy, I could name you five, but... If, you're, if all you do is you bash Italy and things made in Italy and you don't like the Italian teams in sports and you don't like Italian professors coming over and you try and boycott tour, I think you're a bit of an anti-Italian bigot. That's what I would yeah, say if someone was really weird anti-Italy or anti-Spain yeah, or anti-Ireland. I, I think, I think that these folks are obsessed by Israel and they don't care about any of the world's other 200 countries, I think it's something besides politics, I think they don't like Jews. I would agree with you there, Ezra. I, there's, a, um, there's a Christian guy, I, I gotta just give you some context to what I'm listening to right now. I, and I don't know if you can hear it on the mic, but there's a Christian preacher who is set up right in front of the apartheid wall uh, that the Palestinians have put up, and he's just spouting, spouting off about about Donald Trump and illegal aliens. Um, but he has this Alex Jones shirt on, so I'm really excited to go <laughs> talk to him to see what uh, what what brought him out to this protest, the, this 
Palestinian protests, because I'm sure it's not a coincidence that he's standing out here. Um, and I'm also interested to chat with the students that are here, that are walking by, sort of glancing at this wall, uh, and, and they continue walking, or if they stop and talk with the guys. I want to know what, what the average Stanford student thinks about this apartheid wall that is set up. I'm, I'm not sure which way they're... I, I have a feeling that they're, they're not really going to know what it is about. I don't think that the majority of Stanford students are anti-Semitic, um, but you know they all like to be progressive. They all like to be with what's hip, so they might just uh, go along to get along. So I'm going to chat with them and see what what uh, what they end up saying about it. Yeah, and if there's any Jewish students, I'd be curious. To, I mean, I find unfortunately some Jewish students become anti-Israel, thinking that maybe if they bash Israel first. Uh, people won't be mean to them. That's a phenomenon I detect. But I think you're right. I mean, most people, if you're at Stanford, you're there to learn. One thing I'd like you to keep your eye peeled for is, are these professional instigators? I think of Canada, where a lot of the environmental groups, they're not your friends and neighbors. They're not organic. It's not like the, the neighbor's kid is in Girl Guides. Ding dong, I'm with Girl Guides. Can you buy some cookies? Okay, it's real, it's natural, and it's, you know, self-funded kind of thing. These are, I'm talking about professional, paid professionals who are paid to say this, and in most of the time, they're paid by foreigners. I'm talking about the environmental extremists in Canada. I have a theory that this anti-Israel extremism, which is fused with anti-Americanism, it's often fused yep. with anti-capitalism, with, with even communism. I have a theory that it's not organic, that it's stimulated by professional organizers, and in some cases, we know that both Iran and Saudi Arabia spend billions of dollars overseas, and Qatar now does too, promoting this agitation. And I, and I wonder if you'll be able to detect any of that. And I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you're there in the middle of Palestinian well, I, I, awareness, well, could, right. and maybe you can find out what's going on. Well, it, it is the Palestinian Awareness Week, sure, but it's also the middle of exam week. I don't know, when I was in university, I don't know, um, I, I don't know a single student who would have taken off time from class if they were a real student to do this. I have no, uh, no I, I wouldn't have the time to do that, and that's at the U of C. Stanford is this, you know, really prestigious school. I, I don't imagine their students are taking off time to do this. And you're right about this being infused with anti-Americanism. Um, you know, the wall is plastered with anti-Donald Trump sentiments, and I, I mean that could be because Donald Trump has been a strong supporter of the state of Israel moving the capital, uh, the embassy to Jerusalem, that sort of thing. Um, but these people aren't fans of Donald Trump. I don't think they're fans of the United States, the country that they're living in. Um, and I think that all goes hand in hand with hating Israel. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing I do love about San Francisco, or maybe I used to love it, I don't know if it's there anymore, is the free speech movement. I mean, 30, 40, almost 50 years ago, it was the home of free speech a little bit further away from you there at, at Berkeley. But Stanford is part of that San Francisco milieu. I wonder if that free speech spirit lives on. Um, I wonder if they tolerate dissenting voices. Uh, you mentioned that there's sort of a, a fun right-wing troll kind of guy there. I, I'm excited to hear more about that. That's a real American experience. I can't help but notice 
of the 10 people or so standing behind you, and this is just anecdotal, that all of them are Asian, which of course, very large Asian population in San Francisco and Stanford, an elite school. These kids are there to learn, and they're there to learn uh, typically STEM studies. I'm not being, I'm not stereotyping. I'm just, I'm just saying that that's one of the interesting things about schools, especially in California. And it's my observation from Vancouver, where I've studied environmental extremist groups, is the left-wing groups, the anti-capitalist groups, the anti-Israel groups, they're either they're white liberal trust fund kids and uh, foreign exchange students from Arabia. I went to a rally, I think I told you this once before, almost a thousand anti-pipeline protesters in Vancouver, a majority minority city, and I saw precisely two Asian people in a crowd of 1,000 which is statistically impossible. Like, like in Vancouver, if you have a thousand people chosen at random, you're gonna have 40, 50% of them Asian. And I'm just saying this because I think that new immigrants to America who are there to learn and become American and study and do what you're supposed to do at Stanford, they're not interested in these shenanigans. That's a shenanigan for foreign funded provocateurs or guilty white liberal board trust fund kids looking to be woke. That's my theory from here in yeah. Toronto. What do you see there? Well, I think you're right. And now that you mentioned that, uh, you're, you're right. It is sort of anecdotal, but I haven't seen one um, Asian American interact with this board behind me. I'll actually talk to them. I'll, I'll try and try and uh, ask them a few questions and see what they think about it and see if there is a stark difference between, um, and I don't want to profile Asian Americans, but uh, people who are here quite clearly to study and then those who are here because this is where their parents told them to go to school. This is where their parents went to school. They are trust fund, uh, trust fund babies, just like our prime minister. And, uh, and that's why they have time to do this sort of activism. Yeah, I mean, and I, it's just because I happen to notice, I mean, Stanford, that's an elite school. I'm, I'm interested in learning this. I mean, as, we, as we've said before, you can find anti-Israel extremism in any campus in North America, including back here in Canada. But I thought this would be an interesting adventure for you down in Stanford. You've been on the road in other places. Give me a quick recap of some of the places you've been to. And without giving too much away, where are the places you're going to be going to in the days ahead? Uh, so I have been, I've been lots of places lately. I've been to Winnipeg, like you mentioned, to cover uh, Linda Sarsour. They, there's been a distinct Israel flavor to the stuff I've been covering lately, but that's not you know, I wasn't on purpose or anything like that. It's just what has happened. Um, I was in Winnipeg covering Linda Sarsour, her anti-Semitic crowd that follows her wherever she goes. And in particular, uh, I was covering the pro-Israel protest that was across the street. Also, what coincided with that was the Burmax Bakery, the Jewish bakery that uh, like caused their own false flag vandalism of their of their bistro to make it look like there was a huge Nazi problem in Winnipeg when in fact it was just the Jewish owners who were looking for attention probably um, to help with crowdfunding uh, to get out of a financial bind. I'm not too sure about that yet. I've been to Vancouver uh, and I'm trying to remember why I was in Vancouver. Oh yes, I was in Vancouver to cover the gas price, uh, the crazy gas price um, crisis that they're in. There's, you know, if you go across the border, you'll see that the price is like half, it's like 50% what is in Canada. And it's not just because of supply, it's because of provincial taxes, uh, federal taxes that, that are all lumped into Metro downtown Vancouver. 
Um, but when you cross the border, there's none of that. Well, there, there's some, but there's not near as much to that scale. And they also don't have the same supply problems that Metro Vancouver has, which is about 80% supplied both uh, in, in crude export uh, crude imports as well as refined products there's about 80 percent of that coming from alberta which as you know is coming through that one trans mountain pipeline that albertans want to expand but for some reason british columbians or at least the british columbian government doesn't want to so uh that's that story is going to be coming up soon all right well listen we look forward to following your travels and thanks for giving us the reports uh, to the, i mean this today was a curiosity it was a bit of a an experiment i look forward to seeing the results of your work and we'll follow you on the road as you continue to crisscross canada and the united states for the rebel thanks kian thanks Ezra. all right there you have it kian bexty stay with us more ahead on the rebel Well, that's today's show. I tell you, the more I look at these child actors who have been pushed out to promote global warming, the more it irritates me and the more I'm troubled by the fact that our teachers unions are doing it with impunity. And of course, our state broadcasters, the worst CBC News kids, is the absolute worst. But at least they admit they're using child actors to propagate Justin Trudeau's talking points. I'm actually more worried about what happens in the schools. What do you think? Well, folks, today during the day I was at the Mark Norman hearing in Ottawa where I was live tweeting. I will uh, have an update for you on that tomorrow. Until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night and keep fighting for freedom.